Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this, of course, is a Boston Bruins podcast where we discuss all things that spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today's podcast is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices on all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, wherever else you listen. If you uh, do that, each new episode will be automatically uploaded to your feed for you to download, listen, and enjoy. If you could also rate and review, it would be very much appreciated. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins, and you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Today, I'd like to update uh, what we were talking about on Monday, which is the reaction to the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis last week. And on Monday, it was lack of reaction from the Bruins and some of their players. Today, I just wanted to quickly update that and also revisit the story of Willie O'Ree from kind of more of a children's perspective. Last night, I had the opportunity to read Meet Willie O'Ree, a children's book to our seven-year-old son. And uh, I recorded that for your listening enjoyment. And then we'll take a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. But first, a statement from the Bruins was posted on June 2nd at 11.53 a.m. And this is what it reads. Black lives matter. Bigotry, ignorance, and senseless violence in any and all forms is wrong. We are a hockey club And sometimes it is hard to know when, where, and how to comment on issues that challenge the freedom and well-being of our community. We want to be honest, and we want to be accountable, and we want to be leaders. The abhorrent murder of George Floyd and similar events cannot be tolerated. We want to be part of change, and we will lead with our actions. That has always started with treating all people with dignity and respect. Now again, the other day I was giving the Bruins a bit of grief for taking their time to release a statement as others uh, were doing at the time. Um, it took a while, but this is a statement that we as Bruins supporters uh, can be proud of, I think. The fact that they come out right away and say Black Lives Matter, the fact that they uh, call it the abhorrent murder of George Floyd is uh, very encouraging and part of the right stance to take uh, in my mind. They don't really expand on what uh, their actions will be, how they're going to lead in this. Uh, but, you know, this is a good start and simply a lot better than some of the other statements that have been released by NHL teams and players. Uh, the Bruins also then posted the uh, black Square for Blackout Tuesday, which many Bruins players participated in, uh, primarily on Instagram. I saw uh, Charlie McAvoy, Brandon Carlo, Kevin Miller, uh, who else? Jake DeBrusque, David Pasternak, uh, Zdeno Chara, uh, all participating in different forms. I think the best I saw was from uh, Jake DeBrusque, who added the link to Black Lives Matter, uh, where people can donate to some causes. Uh, Kevin Miller added Blue Lives Matter and All Lives Matter. Um, And when challenged about that by some Bruins fans uh, in direct messaging, he kind of doubled down on that. 
If you're not sure why that is not helpful, um, there are plenty of articles out there that spell out why the All Lives Matter label misses the point. I tweeted yesterday that all lives can't matter until Black Lives Matter. So as long as this continues, then all lives don't matter and it's counterproductive to go with that. But I urge you to kind of Google why all lives matter isn't helpful and read up on some articles on that uh, if if you're still not sure. In particular, there's an article in Harper's Bazaar from last year called Why You Need to Stop Saying All Lives Matter, and that uh, spells it out pretty clearly. Um, Zdeno Chara had the other day posted something uh, that was just kind of a sponsored thing uh, from New Balance on his Instagram. On Tuesday, he posted a, a black square with normalized equality in the middle and hashtag Black Lives Matter at the bottom, uh, which was a lot uh, more personal and a bit better than using the, um, you know, sponsored tag. So all that to say, you know, the Bruins team statement uh, was very well written. I thought it was shared by a couple Bruins on Twitter. I believe Connor Clifton and Sean Corrali retweeted it. Those are two players I know for sure. And then some others posted on um, Instagram as well. There have been some uh, former Bruins who have done some really great things on Twitter that I just wanted to point out. First would be Tyler Sagan. And he posted the following on Twitter. I haven't felt good all week. I felt fear and an uneasiness to speak up. This is the first time in my life where I've really had this feeling. I'm a white hockey player and it's not my place to say I can ever truly understand. But as I witness and digest the gravity of the pain that others are going through, at the very least, I want to show my support. If anything, I can say my sense of empathy is growing. I'm listening harder than ever, but I don't like what I'm hearing. I see people's pain much more clearly, specifically in the black community. Seeing George Floyd's life drained from him was horrific and startling. It still doesn't compute, and it isn't right. I have to ask myself how I missed this for so long. Being successful playing in a predominantly white sport, I'm guilty of not being aware, and I'm not proud of that. I feel like I've always treated people equally, but I have this feeling now that I have a responsibility to do more. My heart breaks for the lives that have been unjustly and unnecessarily lost. We need to stomp out fear, hate, bigotry, and racism. My hope is that society will come out enlightened, fight for change, and will finally hear the historically stifled voices of all underrepresented groups of people. With love, Tyler. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. That's one of the better statements from a player that I've seen. And it may be proud uh, to to be a fan of Tyler. Uh, Brett Connolly, also now currently of the Florida Panthers, but another former Bruin, he quote tweeted uh, a JT Brown tweet uh, with the following note. He said, always learning from my good friend at JT Brown 23, but it's not JT's responsibility to educate us. We must put in the work. I've taken the past couple of days to identify my privilege, to read, watch, listen, sign, donate, and I will never stop doing my part to ensure I am an active ally. I urge you to do the same. Attached are some great resources if you don't know where to start. Beyond posting and sharing, ask yourself, how do you show up in your life online with tangible action? Do you confront racism when you see it? We need to do better, and the only time is now. And then he also uh, tweeted a tangible action uh, image with links to uh, a bunch of places to donate 
in uh, Minneapolis, in Toronto, where he's from, and really all over North America, and some things to watch as well. Uh, and I thought that was really great. So good on Sagan and Connolly uh, for taking the time to do that. I'd like to see some Bruins players individually step up and, and make more of a statement. Um, but uh, for the time being, the um, Bruins team statement is pretty good. And again, I, I'd like to see um, some players step up as well. Before we move on, I just want to tell you a bit more about rockauto.com. It's a family business serving auto parts customers online for over 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Meet Willie O'Ree by Elizabeth McLeod. Willie O'Ree looked around and beamed. All his life, he dreamed of playing in the National Hockey League. He had practiced and trained hard, and now here he was, racing down the ice as a Boston Bruin. Willie made history on January 18, 1958. He became the first black player ever in the NHL. Willie was born on October 15, 1935 in Fredericton, New Brunswick. Willie's grandparents had come to Canada from the United States using the Underground Railroad. That was a secret system for transporting black people to help them escape slavery. Whoa, I didn't know that. Willie was the youngest of 13 kids. Whoa. By the time he was five years old, he was already playing hockey on his family's backyard rink. Hockey wasn't the only sport Willie loved. He also played baseball, tennis, volleyball, and rugby. And he swam. Willie liked school too. Math and social studies were his favorite subjects. He even enjoyed doing homework. As long as he still had time for hockey. Rugby is like um, Australian football. When Willie was growing up, there was only one other black family in Fredericton. All the kids in Willie's area played together, whether they were black or white. But everyone knew things weren't equal and there was racism. For instance, black people were not welcome inside the local barbershop. Only white people could get their hair cut there. The barber cut Willie's hair outside instead. That was unfair. It bothered Willie. So one day, when Willie was 13 years old, he walked into the barber shop. The other customers stared at him. What would happen next? No one said a word. When it was Willie's turn, he quietly sat down on the chair and the barber cut his hair. Willie never had his hair cut on the porch again. That day, Willie realized he could change things. Growing up, Willie knew he could skate faster and shoot a puck better than other kids even his big brother Richard but Willie also played baseball really well when his team won a championship in 1949 the prize included a trip to a major league game in New York City Willie even got to meet his baseball hero Jackie Robinson who played for the Brooklyn Dodgers in 1946 Jackie had begun playing with the Montreal Royals that was the first time a black man had played in a minor league game 
A year later, Jackie Robinson became the first black player in the major leagues. It was tough. Fans often threw things at him, and one of his teammates even demanded that Jackie be dropped from the team. But Jackie didn't give up and became one of baseball's top players. Flip the page. Willie continued to be a great baseball player. He was so good that he got a tryout with the Milwaukee oh, with the Mil, with Milwaukee's minor league team when he was 20 years old. He traveled to the training camp near Atlanta, Georgia. This is the deep south of the United States. And there was a lot of racism against black people there. There were laws about where black people could go and what they could do. On the baseball diamond, Willie played well, but his heart wasn't in it. He didn't like the racism that seemed to be everywhere. Besides, hockey was his favorite sport. See that? There's a drinking fountain for white people and a drinking fountain for says colored only. They had to use different drinking fountains. That's weird. That's really weird. Very wrong. Um, most players are sad when a team lets them go. Not Willie. He was happy when he was finally cut and able to go home. From now on, he would focus on hockey. Could he make a career as a player? Ever since Willie was 14, his brother Richard had encouraged him to think about playing pro hockey. He told Willie he had the skills to play in the NHL. But Richard also knew Willie would face racial discrimination along the way. Hockey was a sport played by white players for mostly white audiences. Some white people did not feel that black people should play hockey. In 1952, Willie began playing for the Fredericton Capitals in the New Brunswick Senior Hockey League. Then he was asked to play for the Quebec Frontenacs of the Quebec Provincial Junior A Hockey League. He kept moving up to better and better leagues. He was fast, tough. In 1955, he began, began playing for the Kitchener Canucks in the Ontario Hockey Association, a major junior league. Kitchener. Uh, one night in 1956, the Canucks were playing the Guelph Biltmores. That's when Willie's life changed forever. He played against Guelph. Isn't that crazy? That was before the Guelph Storm. What happened? Willie had skated to the Guelph end and chasing the puck. He passed it back to his teammate, Kent Douglas, at the blue line. Willie raced to the front of the net as Kent let loose with a slap shot. Just then, a Guelph defenseman cross-checked Willie in the back, spinning him around. Willie turned to find the puck. That's when the puck bounced off his stick and flew into his right eye. He dropped to the ice in agony. Willie was rushed to the hospital. He was badly cut and had a broken nose and cheekbone. Even worse, Willie couldn't see out of his right eye. What a disaster. Willie knew the NHL wouldn't allow a player who was blind in one eye. That's because he might get hit in the other eye and be left totally blind. Willie couldn't accept that his hockey career was over. So about eight weeks after his accident, he was back on the ice. It was really tough when Willie tried shooting. Since he played left wing and shot left-handed, he had to turn his head all the way over his right shoulder to see what? the puck. He couldn't see. He couldn't see in one eye, but he could still try to play hockey. He was still trying to play hockey. Is that him? Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I can't see like Willie didn't tell anyone on the Canucks how badly he'd been injured. In his first game back, he was nervous. He flinched every time the puck came near him. 
So he decided to play the best he could and made sure no one found out about his eye. He still dreamed of playing in the NHL. He played so well he was signed by the Quebec Aces in the Quebec Hockey League. They were a professional team. That meant Willie was getting paid to play the game he loved. And sometimes the Boston Bruins of the National Hockey League called up players from the Aces to replace injured players. Willie was just one step away from his dreams. This is a picture of some of the fans and what they were saying. One guy said, Humph, I still say black man can't play hockey. That Ori sure is fast. His skin color might be a problem for some teams, but he's got a huge talent. On January 1958, Willie got the call he'd been waiting for all his life. The Boston Bruins wanted him to play for them. Willie knew Willie would be the first black player in the NHL. Willie knew he was just filling in for an injured player. He played one game in Montreal and one in Boston. Then he had to return to the Aces. Now getting back into the NHL became Willie's goal. He worked harder than ever, and in December 1960, the Bruins called him up. He was in the NHL again. On January 1st, 1961, Boston was battling the Montreal Canadiens. Boo. It was a tight game, and the Bruins were ahead 2-1. Midway through the third period, Willie took a pass and raced toward the Montreal net. He let a low shot rip along the ice. Goal! That was Willie's first goal in the NHL. People cheered for two minutes as he stood on the ice grinning. Willie's teammates loved having him on their side, but sometimes players on the other team called him names. They knocked Willie into the boards or hit him with their sticks. Then those bullies got mad when Willie fought back. And when Willie fought back, he was often the one to get the penalty. Today, NHL players who make racist comments receive fines and suspensions, but black players still sometimes get called names by players and fans. Willie played 43 games with the Bruins that season. He had many fans and was looking forward to returning the next fall. But instead, he was traded to Montreal and ended up with the whole Ottawa Canadiens in the Eastern Professional Hockey League. He so played... it was not just on Boston? No, he got traded to Montreal and they sent him to Ottawa to play. In late 1961, Willie was traded to the Los Angeles Blades in the Western Hockey League. He didn't even know there was a pro team there, but Blades fans loved him, and he soon liked, loved living in California. In 1963, the Blades got a new coach. The next season, he asked if Willie could switch to playing right wing because they needed a fast skater for that position. He had to adjust to taking passes on his backhand. It was difficult, but he worked hard and mastered it. Playing right wing worked so well for Willie that he won the WHL scoring title in 1965 and 1969. Willie was also voted onto four all-star teams. He always hoped to play in the NHL again, but by now the league had found out about his eye. Instead, he played in other pro leagues, mostly for teams in California. He finally retired from playing in 1979 at 43 years old. Not many players stay in the game that long, but hockey wasn't finished with Willie just yet. In 1996, Willie got a call from the NHL's Diversity Task Force. This group works with kids who might not be able to afford hockey, who are children of color without many hockey role models. 
the Diversity Task Force was organizing a kids' tournament called the Willie O'Ree All-Star Weekend. Of course they wanted Willie to be there. He said yes, and he and the kids had a fun time. So he began to do more work with the group. Two years later, Willie became the Director of Youth Development for the Diversity Task Force. He did a great job teaching kids how to play hockey. But Willie also taught the kids other skills. They learned things like how to deal with conflict, the importance of getting a good education, setting goals, and reaching them. Willie said, if you think you can or think you can't, you're right. Oof. Willie has earned many awards for his achievements. In 2003, he won the Lester Patrick Trophy for improving U.S. hockey. During the 2008 NHL All-Star Game, he was honored for being a hockey trailblazer. That was the same year he was named to the Order of Canada. There's even a Willie O'Ree Place, a sports complex in his hometown of Fredericton. In April 2018, the NHL created the Willie O'Ree Community Hero Award. It goes to a person who uses hockey to help others build important life skills, just like Willie does. In November 2018, Willie was given one of the highest honors a hockey player can receive. He was made a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame. Willie was only the third black player to earn this award after Grant Fuhrer and Angela James. Who's the first? It was uh, Grant Fuhrer. He was a goalie for the Edmonton Oilers with Wayne Gretzky. And then a woman named Angela James. Willie reached his goal of playing in the NHL by believing in himself. He worked hard even when he faced racism and serious injuries. And he never gave up on his dream. As Willie says, you never fail until you stop trying. Hockey is for everyone, he said. True strength comes from diversity and inclusion. And then this is a list of some of the key dates in his life. And he wore, what number did he wear for the Boston Bruins? Number two. Nope. 22. 22, that's right. What do you think about that story? Good. Willie O'Ree is a pretty pretty great guy, right? Yep. Because not only did he not only did he make the NHL with one eye, which is crazy, but he also overcame so much. And there were a lot of people who didn't think he should play hockey just because of the color of his skin, and that's wrong, right? Yeah. Good story. Let's talk for a moment about Built Bar. I've been talking about Built Bar now for a few weeks, and really I can't stop talking about it to friends and family who I come in contact with who are looking for a great tasting and healthy snack. Uh, they are amazing protein bars that taste like a candy bar, and they come in 16 great flavors, 8 chocolate nut, 8 chocolate nut free. They're covered in 100% chocolate and soft and easy to chew, and the great thing is that they are healthy. Uh, you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high-fiber. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON, you'll get $10 off your first order. Again, that's promo code LOCKEDON and get $10 off your first order at BuiltBar.com. I know it's been a different week here on the Locked On Boston Bruins episode as we talk about these important current events. Uh, in the aftermath of the murder of George Floyd and the subsequent protests and uh, 
uh, actions, statements taken by teams and players. You know, right now we would be in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I mean that NHL-wise, but ideally the Bruins as well. And, of course, as the NHL gets closer to implementing this return-to-play plan, uh, we'll get more into some hockey issues. But for now, I thought it was important to talk about all of this, especially in light of Boston uh, publishing that statement yesterday. Uh, Perhaps on Friday, we'll get into more hockey talk, a mailbag, and things like that. But I wanted to end today's podcast with a couple more statements from some pretty prominent players. The first comes from Sidney Crosby, who has been uh, criticized over the past few days for for not really saying anything as arguably hockey's uh, most prominent player. Uh, He posted a statement through the Pittsburgh Penguins this morning, and he wrote, What happened to George Floyd cannot be ignored. Racism that exists today in all forms is not acceptable. While I'm not able to relate to the discrimination that black and minority communities face daily, I will listen and educate myself on how I can help make a difference. Together, we will find solutions through necessary dialogue and collective effort. The other statement that I want to read comes from Washington Capitals goaltender Braden Holtby, who declined an invitation to go to the White House after the Capitals won the Stanley Cup a couple years ago, uh, which was pretty great. And he came out with this uh, powerful, powerful statement here on Wednesday morning. And it reads, I stare at the Woodrow Wilson Bridge spanning across the Potomac River. From Virginia, it leads to Maryland into Prince George's County, one of the most affluent black counties in America. And here a monstrous bridge stands named after a racist president, a president who was an outspoken white supremacist who segregated federal workers based on race. The bridge sits there mocking every black person who has to travel across it while reading that name as a reminder of how much pain has been inflicted on their race. And yet the society that has inflicted that pain seems proud of it, proud enough to name a bridge in a white supremacist's honor. The injustice and hatred infused power we've seen recently is anything but new. To say there have been improvements is very naive. In today's age of information and communication at our fingertips, the change is far too minimal. The amount of inhumane, hate-based racial crimes that have been committed in the centuries of American history is enough to make your skin crawl in discomfort and your eyes well with tears. Yet it's still happening. In 2020, it should never happen. Yet it still is. So now what? Where do we go from here? As a person who definitely falls into the white privileged category, I know I will never truly know what it's like to walk in a black man's shoes, but I know I have arms and ears and a voice to walk beside and listen to every word of anguish and give my strength to every black man, woman, or child until their shoes weigh the same as mine. For everyone standing up and marching for what is right, your voices are not going unheard. You're bringing pride to every person who believes in the universal value of a human being. Keep fighting, and I vow to demonstrate and educate what you are fighting for, not only to myself, but my children, family, and anyone else who will listen. Because America will never be great until all black lives matter. Shout out to Braden Holtby for for publishing that. And again, uh, I was encouraged by the Bruins statement that was released on Tuesday, and hopefully some players step up with some stronger statements and... uh, the Bruins as a whole are able to kind of put their words into action. So that's it for today's podcast. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for the support. 
And uh, please take care of yourselves, everyone. And we'll talk to you again in a couple of days.